Beloved by God Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of the faith of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ rule within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service, as previously, all the works of devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, and error, all of this may it depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, continue to lead it with a mighty and powerful arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life this is not just the name of the sermon. This is that goal that the true, truly redeemed people of God are pursuing. And this revelation is present in every sermon, in every work and labor of work that the Holy Spirit has inspired our pastor to write this main subject of having that right to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. Why? So we can be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, the very reason we live. To fulfill this decreeing, decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul, and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine, there are three of them, three requirements, not two or one, but three, will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed. Why is it given to us in the format of a seed? So we can obtain it as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. And until we receive it as the fruit of righteousness, we will not have within our essence uh, and our poets and our songs, uh, 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 our singers will be singing then songs. What will be behind that 
cliff? Will it be a abrupt fall or or bliss? We just with a big question mark, not being confident what you will see when you end up there. To be confident, you need to know the written word. And we have been studying the 18th Psalm of David, where knowing and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power that is contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. And so here are these names. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these eight names of God as our inheritance, and that is in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear this confession and may he make us worthy. And he already has made us worthy as he has trusted us with these precious promises, if we would not have been worthy, he would never have offered these precious promises uh, to us. And the reason he did is because he sees us worthy in Jesus Christ to hear it and become in the likeness of these characteristics. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot that is in Jesus Christ, consisted of four names of God, strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. Therefore, we will continue to study our inherited lot that is in Jesus Christ, studying the name of God, rock, as our rock of Israel. In the given prayer psalm of David, we see that the name of God, rock of Israel, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom we together receive the victorious ability to keep and to broaden or to expand our salvation consisting of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ to be able to keep and expand to collaborate with the name of God rock uh, we need to also consider that there are other names and all begins with the name of God strength then rock and and you continue on and so as our rock who is our rock of Israel we expand so that we can have something. The name of God, the Lord is our rock of Israel. The fact that the Lord has magnified his word above all his name, that means in his names, he has cons- he has, he has inputted his word in his names. And so he gave us the hope of eternal life and the unchanging in his words, God that foundation, the hope, the word of God, the teaching that the Lord gives, he gives it from the position of what is unchanging because he is unchanging in his word. And the scriptures say, having these promises, we will cleanse ourselves then from all the filth of the flesh and spirit. Here we, after the name of God's strength, Lord, you are my rock. We, we are 
becoming then familiar with his uh, weights and scales. We begin to uh, weigh ourselves. We measure ourselves according to the, the scriptures, the written word, not with other people. Although the scriptures allow you to do so with the person whom God has placed in the church. This person, yes, but no other person is allowed. It doesn't offer in scripture that you should be uh, measuring, weighing yourself in accordance with uh, with uh, other people other than God's messengers. And so in the name of God, Rock, we cleanse ourselves from all the filth of the flesh and spirit. We cleanse our heart from all dead works. Why? So that we can approach the third name. Lord, you are my fortress. I can approach you with a goal once I have a pure heart and we have magnified his name above all our name, his names, uh, in his name's strength. And in the second, we've weighed ourselves. And now, Lord, you are my fortress so that I can come to you and be fertilized with the seeds of the word of God. I am now ready to hear the word of God and be fertilized with these seeds. And the fourth name, Lord, you are my deliverer. Now the word, that seed that I have received, you will be able to deliver me in the fruit of the born by me Methuselah. We need to understand that deliverance the Lord has placed in Jesus Christ, and we are in Jesus Christ, and being in Him, He puts His seed in us, and it grows into the fruits of righteousness that will not just be able to protect us from death, but also will be able to uh, protect or defend God's holiness. It protects God in us and God's holiness. And after we have and collaborate with these names, strength, rock, fortress, deliver, and now the Lord lifts us up to a high rock as rock of Israel so we can see our promise from afar. That's the whole promised land. All of the boundaries for which the Lord has paid His price, and that includes our soul, our mortal soul, and our earthly body. Uh, the Lord allowed Moses to go up on the high mountain so that he can see uh the promised land and he showed it to him to Christ he also showed this land upon Golgotha the price he paid on Golgotha for and Joshua then of course as we know led the people into this promised land and so in the name of God rock of Israel we keep our inheritance by expanding our inheritance uh, and expand it from our spirit into our soul and, and then into our body or over it we came to the necessity to study the following series of questions studying the name of God, Rock of Israel. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel? What purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill consisted in the name of God, Rock of Israel, the price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our Rock of Israel and the results that will help us determine that God is truly our rock of Israel as it relates to the realization of our calling. We need to keep in mind that if we decide to study our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, rock of Israel, and we study these virtues as something separate from the faith of our heart and the confessions of our mouth, we will immediately be going in the wrong direction. With all of these names, you need to collaborate with your heart and with your lips. The heart receives the word, and the lips confess the faith of our heart, which is what we just did. We confessed all the names of God with our heart. We said, Lord, you are my rock. This 
is the faith of our heart. And our Apostle Arkady says that if we follow these names, but we are sitting quiet, then we are doing this in vain. That's why the Holy Spirit put it upon his heart that we together uh, proclaim this word here. And by this example, we also proclaim God's names and word uh, in other places as well, at home and other places. Out of these four questions, we have been studying the third. The price that is required to be paid to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our rock of Israel. And we had studied the first component of the price and this com- first component of the price called to give God the legitimate ability to be our rock consists in our decision to heed the commandments of the Lord, which will give us the power to the right to come out of Babylon. To come out of Bab- Babylon is not possible without the decision to listen to the preached word of God. Because only by listening to the word of God will you hear, come out from Babylon. You have to hear the voice. The scriptures say, those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so we need to come out of the Babylon of our carnal state and also those congregations, the churches that mix the things of God with the things of man. And we need to, again, leave these kinds of congregations and not go to these, to these kind of churches or these congregations. If a person decides to stay in Babylon, then this means that he is a part of that Babylon. Because the verdict is already written against them. How much you have to hate yourself, your children, and your descendants because the verdict is already written and you continue to sit in these dead uh, churches, these dead congregations, dead churches, this only means that you despise yourself. Second component of the price, called to give God the legitimate ability to be our rock, is us paying the price for the ability to dwell with the devouring fire of holiness. The Lord will be our rock if we will pay the price for the ability to dwell with the devouring fire of holiness. And Pastor has dedicated a couple of sermons, churches, to this revelation. And we also will do the same. So that we can understand the price for the ability to live or dwell with the devouring fire. Isaiah 33, 14, 15. The sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously, here's this person who can dwell with the devouring fire. He is the one who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. And now the results what blessings God will give and rewards for following these things. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. 
in the given allegory the reward for our ability to live with the devouring fire of the holiness of the Most High is presented in four signs. First, the rewards will be we will dwell on high. Our place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread from above will be given to us. The living water of the Holy Spirit received by us as the Lord and Master of our life who has become water in our heart will be sure. And so this is the reward that we had already studied, these four uh, rewards in the previous service. At the same time, the price for the right to live with the devouring fire of holiness is the fruit of holiness in our heart, which stands guard of the holiness of the Most High in five individual signs. These are walking righteously and speaking uprightly in your heart, despising the gain of oppressions, gesturing with your hands, refusing bribes, stopping your ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shutting your eyes from seeing evil. And so these are the five components that show the fruit of holiness within our heart. And the fruit of holiness in our heart, it stands guard of God's holiness. The holiness of the Most High, and this fruit of holiness that stands guard of the Most High, it is demonstrated in these five requirements. We will pay attention to the first price for the right to power to live upon Zion with the devouring fire representing the image of the holiness of the Most High. The first condition which when fulfilled is the price which gives us the right to the power to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of God is the requirement to walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. This is the first price to live with the devouring fire, to walk righteously and speak uprightly in your heart. And so righteously and speaking upright, speak uprightly, which is truth, speaking truth. Speak uprightly means speaking truth. Psalm 15, 1-2. One, one, A Psalm of David, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle and who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Here David talks about who can abide in his tabernacle and dwell on his holy hill. And Isaiah specifies this. He says, friends, who can live with the devouring fire? It turns out that the house of God and the holy hill where the Lord abides with his church are the midst or the pre or the essence of this devouring fire. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to look at the essence of the following questions. What is righteousness and truth? Because we we are studying the price here. To walk righteously, so righteousness <clears throat> and speaking uprightly means speaking truth. Righteousness and truth. What is it? In its essence as well as as, it, as its definition and what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill within, within our relationship with God what does the price and requirement consist of giving us the ability to abide in truth and righteousness what conditions do we need to fulfill to keep ourselves within the boundaries of truth and righteousness and by what results do we determine that God is truly our rock in the realization of our calling Therefore, 
the first question. I will remind us that we will be talking about righteousness and truth and what it is to walk righteously and speak uprightly, which is speak truth. What is righteousness and truth in its essence as well as its definition and what purpose is righteousness and truth called to fulfill in our relationship with God? To immediately define these two terms demonstrated in the words righteousness and truth and not study them as something that is the same, although they, there are similarities between them, in like a son would be like his father and his a daughter would be like her mother. Not identical, but in the likeness of, similar to. Because righteousness and truth are the relationship of a father and son since truth produces righteousness just as a father produces himself in his son and as the seed produces fruit. And so truth is the father, righteousness is the son. Truth is the seed, righteousness is the fruit. From which we can conclude that truth is the state of a good heart that is cleansed from dead works in which the faith of God abides in the format of the wisdom of the elementary teaching of Christ. At the same time, righteousness or justice is a demonstration of this state in the fruit of our lips, which proclaim the inner state of the faith of our heart. And so what is truth and what is righteousness? Truth is the state of a good heart. Righteousness is the demonstration of this state. Truth is the father this is the seed this is the state of the heart righteousness is the son it is a demonstration of the state of the heart this is the fruit accordingly justice or righteousness is truth in action or a result of what truth produces And so the question, if you're asked, what is righteousness? Righteousness is truth in action. What is, so who is Jesus? This is the Father in action. What is righteousness? Righteousness is truth in action. What, who is Jesus? Jesus is the Heavenly Father in action. Jesus said, I only say what I hear from my Father. I do only what my Father does. I am the truth, or he is the truth, I am righteousness, and when it talks about, he talks about us, we receive the truth and we produce fruits of righteousness, and so truth and righteousness, they are uh, present. The Father, he's the truth, and I am righteousness. When it's the disciples, Jesus said, I am the truth, you are the righteousness. And so truth is the state of the heart and righteousness is a demonstration of that state. And righteousness is truth in action. Jesus Christ is father, the Father in action or when the righteous performs righteousness. And so the righteous performing righteous works, the holy shall be holy sti still and the righteous shall be righteous still. And so if we don't have truth in action, then we are not righteous. What is, who, 
who is a righteous person. This is one who has truth in action in himself. And so this is demonstrated in our words, in our actions, and in other, uh, in other things as well. In the writings about, about David, it repeatedly states that he reigned over all of Israel and administered judgment and justice. As we can see, what is righteousness is truth in action, and David, he administered judgment and justice. He had truth that was always in action. He was a, a true child of God. Second Samuel 8.15 So David reigned over all Israel and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. We see that he administered judgment and justice. He had this truth always acting so that David could administer this judgment and righteousness consisting in justice throughout all his nation. It was necessary for him to possess a specific core of truth or the state of truth in his heart. And this state needed to be obtained exclusively by his genetic inheritance, which he could inherit by being instructed in faith and only by the line of Abraham, whom God had made the father of all who believe, both the circumcised in the flesh as well as those that were not that were not circumcised. He received this directly from Abraham. Because true work of righteousness in the works of justice can only come from the truth abiding in the heart of man. Therefore, the kind of state of heart a man will have is how his work of righteousness will be. The state of the heart of a man of a, the state of the heart a man will have again is how his work of righteousness will be. Mark 7, 21-23 For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. Jesus repeatedly spoke similar words to the religious elite of the people of Israel, who per his words were not born of the truth although considered themselves knowledgeable and experts of the law, intensifying in their own personal righteousness, which in the eyes of God was evil, as it rejected righteousness by faith, which God accounted to Abraham, making him the father of all who believe. Matthew 12:34. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so he said to them, how can you perform righteousness without having truth in your heart? And consequently, people who intes intensify in their own personal righteousness both back then as well as today not only cannot understand the words of Christ but also resist the words of Christ and consider his words as a personal insult toward them. And so the righteous... He never resists the words of Christ and receiving the words of Christ he does not receive them as an insult or in the form of an insult but he receives it as a form of correction how do you differentiate the righteous from the unrighteous an unrighteous person he resists the words of Christ and all the words of Christ he considers as an insult against him John 8, 38 through 44. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. 
They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We, were, we have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my words. And he finishes, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. According to the analysis of the above stated words, we conclude that if a person is not born of the truth, he will not be able to perform righteousness. If a person is not born of the truth, he will not be able to perform righteousness. Therefore, all of his so-called good works, in quotes, will not be done in God and will not be done for God. And everything not done for God or in God is, according to Scripture, evil and a counterfeit of truth. And as we speak of being born from the word of truth, we conclude that the truth first is personified in God and is one of the title names of God. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. Jesus walking through cities and towns of Israel preaching the kingdom of God to Israel said of Himself that He is like His heavenly Father and is the personified truth. John 14.6 Jesus said to him, to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we see here that it is not just uh, Jesus, who is the truth, Apostle John, in his book to the Church of Christ, testified that one of the names of the Holy of the Holy Spirit is also truth. And so, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—they are the truth. First John five six. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. And so God the Father is the truth, the Son of God is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is the truth. According to these and other places of Scripture, we conclude that truth is not just the title name of God, but is also the natural state of God. This is not just His title that people so greatly desire, When God calls himself truth, he says that his title is truth because it's in accordance with his state. These are the characteristics he has. They're part of his character. 
Therefore, when we prioritize the program of God, the carrier of which is our sacred person, we will be able to possess the state of truth in our in our spirit, which will allow us to expand this state upon our soul and upon our body. And so, let's see how this happens when the truth begins to expand and and take hold of all the all of the man, because he's God, God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit, and it needs to now come upon our spirit. The single area or aspect of us that has received God, that is born again, is the sacred person. You can't see him. This kingdom is not yet seen. It, it comes in an unnoticed unnoticed way. He is not seen, but he is there, and he needs to now expand this truth through righteousness, the state that is in the spirit, upon the soul, and upon the body. And so this truth needs to be put into your heart. And with this truth, renew your mind, your soul, and then use it, uh, this truth that's in your mind and soul, and confess with your mouth uh, for the redemption of your body. A spirit receives the truth, our soul that renews the mind by getting to know the truth, and the word that conf- the mouth that confesses the word, the truth, and clothes our body into this truth. Further, the scriptures identify all that comes from God as the truth, His revelations, His laws, His commandments, and His judgments. These also are His truth. And so where have we seen truth? It is in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We've seen it in our own personal spirit, not just in us, but we're in us. Because saying it's in us is too abstract. You can come into any church and ask them to identify specifically where in us it is located, the truth. In us is in our sacred person, in the conscience that is cleansed from dead works. And the truth is in the revelations, in the commandments, in judgments, and God's laws. Psalm 119, 138. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and are very faithful. When the Lord speaks of His truth, when we're talking about God's laws and commandments, this is the perfect truth. It is very faithful. This is what He has stated about Himself, about His Himself, about His Son, and about His Holy Spirit. And when He speaks of His Word, this is the perfect Word, uh, the perfect truth. It is the complete truth. How much He magnifies His Word above all His names. However, to confirm that the law of Moses is also the truth, we need to specify a few things. For example, Apostle Paul writes, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the given situation, the word law means the product of truth demonstrated in the righteousness of God and the justice of God, called to give power to sin in the flesh, to bring about the wrath of God upon the violators of the law, upon the old man living in the body. And so when it speaks of the law, it speaks of it as God's righteousness and God's justice. The law is the product of truth. The law of Moses is the product of truth that comes from truth 
from, that comes from God. Upon the basis of many places of scripture, the law truly brought about wrath and was not called to bring about grace and truth for man who was not a descendant of truth per his origins, which is why the law of Moses given to man who was not born from the seed of the word of truth, this law was not called to and not able to bring a person who is not born from the seed of the word of truth to perfection like God's perfection. As it is written, Hebrews 10.1, For the law having a shadow of, of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make, make those who approach perfect. The law cannot make a man perfect, because this is the product of truth demonstrated in the righteousness of God and God's justice. According to this and other places of scripture, we conclude that although the law did not have the spirit of grace and truth, he was, however, present in the shadows. As an example, Colossians 2, 16, 17, So let no one judge you in food and drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. All offerings, feasts, and instructions of the law pointed to Christ and his relationship with his church and so that the hidden in shadows law of grace and truth would become the possession of man God sent his son so that he redeemed man from the curse of the law and so that the imperishable inheritance which was in the shadows and symbols of the law become the possession of the new person born from the seed of the word of truth Galatians 3.13 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The price of our redemption from the curse of the law consists in the fact that Christ became the curse for us, and in this way destroyed the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Colossians 2, 14, 15. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made him a public spectacle, triumphing over them in it. According to this and other places of Scripture, the blessing of Abraham consists in such a righteousness of God that is a product of by truth and that this is a product of truth and that can only be given independent of the law freely according to grace in redemption that is in Jesus Christ Romans 3 20 through 24 therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin by now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Knowing and implementing the given components in our life will determine whether the handwriting of requirements written against us will be able to be destroyed, as well as the ability of God's favor being upon us. very elaborate texts and of course 
it would be good to be able to stop a little bit and look at a little bit deeper at some of this. Speaking of the truth, that the law of God is the truth, and according to the law, there's not just the law of the spirit of life, but the law that actually occupies a, a larger portion of the Bible, the Old Testament. There's the Old Testament and New Testament, the Old Testament for the old man. And someone will ask, well, what old man are you speaking of us? And so if you have a Bible, in, in the Bible you'll see the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is for the old man, the New Testament for the new man. And Pastor has very interestingly wrote this. I will look at some of this to make it a little bit more clear. And so what did we read? Pastor says that the law of Moses is the product of truth. Truth in the form of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the Word of God that he has magnified above all his names. This is the complete and perfect truth. And the law of Moses is the product of this truth. It comes from this truth. In this righteousness, the truth, as God wanted to show that this is in me, and this righteousness is given in the form of the law of Moses against the sinner. It is not called to bring a person to perfection. It is against the sin, the man who is a sinner. We need to understand that Christ needed to in some way redeem the lawless, <clears throat> those that were under the law from the curse of the law. And he needed to become this righteousness. He needed to become these tablets. And these tablets and this law needed to be broken upon the cro- upon Golgotha. And when these tablets were broken upon Golgotha, then he gave the teaching that needed to become the possession of our heart and our mind and our confessions. Upon Golgotha, he did the unique work of delivering us from our sins. Upon Golgotha, uh, something occurred that many don't speak of, but what we read about upon Golgotha, the tablets of Moses were broken, which were against us, writing against us. They were broken for those that are in Jesus Christ, only for those. If there are other ways of so-called getting somehow into the presence of God, they, if you hear these things, whether it be Muhammad or Buddha or some other one, can he say of himself that he is the righteousness of God? Can he say of himself that he has this status? We were born from the sinful conduct of our parents. We inherited this, being born this way. And he came Jesus to pay the price for our sins, but also upon Golgotha, that handwriting of requirements that was written against us to break it. He was the one who was the tablets and he was broken for us. Do we collaborate with the broken tablets? This is determined by the teaching of Christ within our heart. That specifically with the teaching, he destroyed the handwriting of requirements. He eliminated it. He destroyed it. If a person does not have teaching in his heart, 
that means he does not have Christ in the form of these broken tablets. For us, it is important to know that these tablets were broken for us. And so we can receive this faith teaching, the teaching of Christ. And so Christ being the truth, being the truth, he says, I am the truth, but I need to become righteousness. I need to become. And when I become this, then I will be broken for your sake upon Golgotha. The truth then became righteousness. Righteousness, justification, the righteous one. Jesus became righteousness that was broken for our sake. And he gave us justification, which made us righteous. And the righteous needs to perform righteous acts. The truth as Yahweh became righteousness, if you can imagine. He became righteousness because the law is righteousness. He became this righteousness and he broke these tablets, this law, for the sake of his children, those who receive him and who will believe in him. And we'll talk a little bit about who the righteous are also. For the rest of the world that has not received Christ, the law of Moses remains uh, in power. The truth has shown itself in this law of Moses, in this righteousness, how they look, how it looks at a sinner. And it also talks about how, in Scripture, how this law looks at those who are redeemed in Christ. And these tablets, again, were broken for the sake of the righteous. We have this great inheritance that Christ, being the truth, had become righteousness, and this righteousness became this tablet that was that was broken. He was never under the law. The only writing that was written uh, was above his head, and it says, He is Yahweh. He, he is the Son of God. This is the only thing that he was uh, ascribed. He is the Son of God. These were God's tablets, and he broke these tablets in the form of himself. And when the Pharisees saw what was written upon above his head, when Pilate wrote, wrote this, uh, the Pharisees didn't want this writing. They said, remove it. And he asked why, because when they read, this is the Son of God, all of these words made up the the. Uh, the word Yahweh and they realized they they knew the high priest knew who they crucified Pilate said what I did I did and so we're talking about uh, righteous and who is righteous to be a righteous person we need to know why we have the right to be called righteous Truth in the form of the of the Son of God became righteousness. He became the law of Moses for us. And he, for our sake, only for our sake, for the rest of the world, the law of Moses is in power. It's still active. And the law of Moses continues to work today. You could see the millions of people that go to hell, the, the law of Moses continues to work. 
but the righteous aren't going to hell. We already overcame the second death. We are not separating from God. We can separate from our body, but we also will come to a point where we will overcome this first uh, form of death when uh, death will be swallowed up by victory. And so we're looking at and and trying and uh, looking to understand where the truth is and where righteousness is. Truth is God, and for our sake, He became righteousness. He became the law. He became these tablets and was broken upon the t- the Golgotha, upon the cross. And how do we know if we have this righteousness in ourselves, or it, if these tablets were broken for us, because of the teaching that's in your heart? If if in your heart you don't have the teaching then you are under wrath and under the curse of the law. Although you may speak in tongues and even have uh, performed uh, different maybe spiritual uh, signs and, and wonders. And if you remember, there was even a story in the Bible that where a donkey made was able to see a miracle which the man that was writing it was not able to that did not make the donkey more spiritual. Knowing and implementing the given components in our life will determine whether the handwriting of requirements written against us will be able to be destroyed as well as the ability of God's favor to be upon us. The word righteousness in the format of the fruit of our spirit in Hebrew means justice, uprightness, reliability, and faithfulness, something well-based or founded, immovable, and not subject to change. And second, the word righteousness within our heart opens the developing work of the fruit of truth, which is contrary to lawlessness, unrighteousness, uncleanness, and carriers of impurity which are present in every holy church who belong to the category of weeds. As it is written, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be a filthy still. He who is Righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. Revelation 22.11 According to this, to be righteous means. What does it mean to be righteous? It is for these people that Jesus became righteousness. And this righteousness he broke in the form of these tablets upon Golgotha. And we are determining whether we have these broken tablets because of the truth that is written upon our heart and our mind. Not just in our heart, but also in our mind. As it is written, write it upon their hearts and upon their minds. To be righteous is to be justified by God. Have your rights restored. Being constructed in God. Be just in God. Be prepared for battle or to fight. Be direct, be straight, be correct, be securely based stand immovable in faith, be acknowledged as faithful and reliable, and produce the fruit of righteousness, which will stand guard of God's holiness and truth. You see what he did, the Lord. It turns out he justified us, and Jesus as the truth became righteousness and was broken so that we in ourselves can then defend his holy truth, an interesting approach, how he was searching the righteous for himself. We have the ability to be his children, angels don't have that privilege. What is the difference between angels and God's children? 
for God created angels. He created them spiritual. But what did, how did he create us? From the earth he created us, from the clay. How can he call those children, for of his own children, those he made of clay? Because we have the right to grow. Children are those who are first small and then grow. Angels are not grown. They're created the way they are. They're created from spiritual material and they're in a perfect form. And so you have the option. You could serve God or the devil. He's not creating angels anymore today. When he created all the angels, all the seraphims and cherubims, and he said, "Now we will, we will go, we will. Exp- uh, I will tr- experience a test to see uh, faithful who is faithful." And he, he he did perform this test, and they made their free sovereign choice. We together may fall seven times and promise the Lord we will not do this but we do it again why because we're his children and we have the ability to grow because the righteous may fall seven times but he rises up again we're made of clay and for this clay to become spiritual material the angels are surprised at this how clay can become spiritual material in the likeness of Yahweh how and the angels aren't off how this can happen they see how this starts in the spirit of a person then how this truth is developed and finds its place in the soul of a person in his mind and then in its confessions and then it clothes the body and this body will then be uh, clothed into glory into the holy Yahweh how clay can then be transformed into Yahweh we can grow, we can develop, Uh, angels can't, they're created perfect and they have, uh, God had performed this test, some had withstood it, some did not and we in our tests we continue to grow and develop further. First he justifies us and then he calls us righteous. We are not just righteous or justified by God, we perform fruits of righteousness. And so according to these meaningful and incredible definitions, we conclude that according to Scripture, righteousness as a product of truth is also one of the title names and virtues characterizing the nature of God and the nature of the kingdom of God inside of us. Romans 14.17 For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Apostle Arkady says, I will remind us that in Scripture the term righteousness belongs to the creation of a righteous person which demonstrates itself according to the state of his heart, in his thoughts, his words, and his actions. Righteousness is justice, uprightness, legality, wisdom, faithfulness, constance, truthfulness, reliability, firmness, gentleness, grace, nobility, immovability, holiness, generosity, mercy, long-suffering, and ample amount of love. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith given by God in the format of justification for those people who were born from the preached to them seed of the word of truth, God first regulates and builds his relationship exclusively with righteous men. God performs his judgment 
where he justifies the upright and accuses the wicked. God shows mercy to the vessels of mercy and turns his wrath away from them. God rewards the righteous with good and gifts him everlasting life. God, by the righteousness of faith, gives his nation wisdom. By righteousness containing wisdom, God overthrows the strength of the nature of our uncrucified soul, and by the means of the righteousness of faith, God rules with grace in our hearts to eternal life. And so, a very elaborated description, uh, definition and description of righteousness and truth. How do we walk in righteousness? How do we speak truth in our heart? How we collaborate with truth and righteousness and the Lord shows that to collaborate and to walk in something, to say something, you need to understand what it is first so that you can uh, correctly use these instruments. We see what kind of great work that the Lord has done from His side. He being truth had become righteousness. For our sake, truth had become righteousness. And this righteousness was broken for our sake to make, to make, to justify us and to make us righteous, to call us righteous. And calling us righteous, he says, now perform God's righteousness. Defend my truth in your heart. <clears throat> what kind of an incredible path and how truth and righteousness collaborate in our heart. May the Lord bless us to under, be able to understand all these wonderful things. That was the first question. Now the second question. What is the price or requirement giving us the ability to abide in truth and righteousness? And so how much does it cost and what are we to do to abide in this truth and righteousness? First component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High consists in receiving and acknowledging the delegated authority of God over yourself in the form of the delegated by him righteous person. Isaiah 24:16. From the ends of the earth we have heard songs, glory to the righteous. And so what is this end of the earth? The phrase, the end of the earth, implies the earthly body of man, one who partakes to the wife, the bride of the Lamb, who acknowledges the authority of the person clothed into the power of a father of God, over herself, who serves as the following, the shadow of God Most High, a covering of God Most High, wings of God Most High, boundaries of God Most High, and the authority of God Most High. And so this is and so the end of the earth, these are those saints that are in righteousness and truth. These are those who acknowledge the order of God in the church because the garments of the Lord fill the temple and those who are under these garments, these are those that are under the covering. They are in the shadow, the covering, God's under God's wings, boundaries, his, and in His authority. And relevant to such an elaborate list of meanings, this verse can have a few other meaningful versions to the ends of the earth. As it says that from the ends of the earth we have heard songs, glory to the righteous. 
And so having a, a few more meanings, they then strengthen one the other. And so from people who abide under the shadow of the Most High, we hear the song, Glory to God, the Righteous One. From people who rest under the covering of God Most High, we hear the song, Glory to God, the Righteous One. From people who are under the wings of the Most High, we hear the song of glory to the God, glory to God the Righteous One. And from people who are within the boundaries of the Word of the Almighty, and also people who acknowledge the delegated authority of God over themselves, we hear the song, Glory to God, the Righteous One. And so we need to be under this covering so that we have the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness. As soon as a person comes out from under this covering, then the devouring fire of holiness, the house of God is where the devouring fire of holiness is. And so what is the price not to be burned? is to acknowledge God's authority being under this covering, under the shadow, being in within these boundaries, under the covering of the Most High, so that we can live then with this, with this devouring fire and not be destroyed by it. Even in this church, we've seen how uh, people were being uh, in spirit, they were being destroyed by this devouring fire because they would come out from under the the uh, protection, the covering. Uh, the price we need to pay is being acknowledging this authority over ourselves and being under this covering, under these wings. Second component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, consists in payment to know the truth about the adoption of your earthly body by the redemption of Christ. And so this truth is very important and there's a price that needs to be paid so that you know this truth about the adoption of your earthly body. Otherwise, everything earthly will be burned. As our body is, flesh and blood does, does not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so who can live with this devouring fire? When we see the apostles or prophets who met with the Lord, Uh, if if you look in scripture, there's been many situations where people would die before his presence, would fall before him, and the Lord would bring them back up, uh, resurrect them, would lift them back up. And so in prayer, we then approach God and live with this devouring fire. Job says, 19, 25, 26, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. To be confident in your earthly body being restored from the dust by the redemption of Christ, identifying our calling in Christ Jesus means collaborate with God in knowing the truth about the adoption of our mortal body by the redemption of Christ. John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only by the means of abiding in the preached to us word, the apprehended by us truth can make us free from sin through the righteousness, righteousness of our faith, which is the fruit of righteousness coming from the seed of the word of truth. 
only by the means of abiding in the preached to us word. The apprehended by us truth can make us free from sin. If we don't receive the preached word and we don't apprehend this truth, we will not be made free of our sins. Considering that Jesus passed down the mandate of his authority and his delegation to his apostles so that his truth would make us free from the power of sin and death, it is necessary for us to acknowledge the authority of a delegated teacher over ourselves in the form of a specific apostle of Christ and abide within the preached by him word. John 13:20. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. It is specifically by receiving a specific person in the form of an apostle do we receive the ability by the preached by him seed of the word of truth to receive justification freely according to the grace of God called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And so this is how we keep and have the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, pay the appropriate price to know the truth about the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. And this truth needs to be received from the delegated by God person. God has passed on his truth to his messenger and this truth is then passed on to us by the preached word. We receive it into our heart. We, accept, we confess it with our mouth for our body and for all of our essence how this truth is passed on. It is passed on. And so truth and then righteousness. Truth, if there's no uh, righteousness, then there will not be truth. Or truth will not be able to be passed on. And so our collaboration with the messenger of God, I understand that I'm righteous and the person that is pl- placed before me uh, receives the, or passes on the truth or is the truth in this case. And I collaborate with the word of this person then speaks the truth that he speaks and I collaborate my heart with this truth. And this truth then becomes a possession of my heart. How can the truth get to my heart? It needs to come to me, to the righteous one. And only acknowledging the delegated teacher over ourselves, this truth, then as a righteous person, I receive access to this truth, and the truth can be put in my heart, and I, having this truth, can perform righteous work. What is righteousness? Righteousness is truth in action, but to receive the truth, I need to acknowledge God's delegated teacher. And when this truth falls into my heart, into my mind, and my, and my confessions, I can perform righteousness until we acknowledge the authority of God over ourselves, who can pass on this truth. I can, for example, have some sort of service in the church uh, and have blemishes, but nobody will ever know about them. But these would be just religious games that people will play. Uh, They literally, there are people who attend churches, and especially when there are people who look at each other and know the hell that lives in the other person, and yet greet one another. And so, unfortunately, these people can't battle with the sins that they have because they don't have the truth. 
and are not receiving the truth. You need to receive the truth in your heart. And as we read, it needs to happen by acknowledging God's messenger. Third component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, is our decision to forgive offenses before the setting of the sun. Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Be angry, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Forgiveness is a goal-oriented, voluntary act accompanied by the discipline of our mind and our heart. Forgiveness is a goal-oriented, voluntary act accompanied by the discipline of our mind and our heart called to lead our wounded emotions to freedom from sin, then called offense, which is a net and a snare of the devil into which he catches men who refuse to uproot offenses from their heart. It, it's uh, difficult, as it were, to maybe even state this entire phrase. Maybe we need to reread it. We are learning how we need to collaborate with the Word of God. And so this is how we work with it here. And so we need to reread it so we understand it. Well, forgiveness is a goal-oriented voluntary act accompanied by the discipline of our mind and our heart called to lead our wounded emotions to freedom from sin called offense, which is a net and a snare of the devil into which he catches men who refuse to uproot offenses from their heart. Deuteronomy 24, 10-13 When you lend your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside, and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge out to you. And if the man is poor, you shall not keep his pledge overnight. You don't need to go to a person and ask them when they're going to ask for forgiveness. Maybe stay in your secret room and pray. Don't demand uh repentance from another person. You shall in any case return the pledge to him again when the sun goes down that he may sleep in his own garment and bless you and it shall be righteousness to you before the Lord your God. And so it's necessary a holy person who is a poor, in this case the poor person, you need to forgive them, forgive them before the setting of the sun. In the first aspect, we need to not violate the sovereign rights. You don't need to knock into his door so that he asks forgiveness. He will return the pledge and, not, and it needs to not be forceful. There's an exception to the rule uh, where sometimes in the scriptures say you need to uh, save them with fear. But sometimes you need to just wait outside. Waiting outside means your secret room, go into your room and pray. Don't go into his house and demand something from him. The pledge that ended up in the hands of our brother represents our clothes, which is a symbol of our righteousness, which ended up in the hands of our neighbor because of the harm that we have inflicted upon him. It's talking about a person when he has offended another person, and our clothing ends up then in the hands of this other person. Matthew 6, 14, 15. 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If our brother has harmed us and asked forgiveness and has repented before God, but we in turn refuse to forgive him and restore our relationship with him, God will input as a sin both our sins as well as our resisting his commandments, and we ourselves will end up naked in his eyes, in the eyes of God. And our brother who repented in front of us and before God will be restored in his rights to righteousness. Offense, along with rumors and false suspicions, is the most common sin in the midst of the nation of God, which is, which has an insurmountable ba- barrier upon the path to brotherly love, called to pass a person from the, from the state of the death to the state of life. Already today, the depths of hell are filled with people who died and kept offenses within their hearts against their brother, while being confident that they were going to heaven, although their heart was not abiding in truth and righteousness. We need to know well that offense and truth cannot simultaneously abide and coexist within the heart of a man. Therefore, we need to make a choice whether we want to have offense living within our heart or whether we want the truth living within our heart. And the sooner and the quicker we make this choice, the sooner we will give God the legitimate ability to forgive our sin and lead us into the atmosphere of truth and righteousness. Very interesting third component of the price. We say, Lord, how much does it cost to live with the devouring fire? This is the price. We need to forgive those who have offended us. Fourth component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness, representing the atmosphere of our redemption, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is a full or complete separation from Babylon. We, something we previously already talked about, however, studying the price, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, this component again is demanded and is relevant. Isaiah 48, 20, go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans. This is what the prophet said back then. Today the apostles say, the same thing. Surprisingly, go forth from Babylon, flee from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing, declare, proclaim this, utter it to the end of the earth, say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. First, considering that Babylon symbolizes the mixing of God's revelations and God's order with human interpretations and human order, we conclude that for the right to abide in truth and righteousness, It is necessary to leave your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul. Which upon practice means to reject the abilities of your intellect to determine what is good and what is evil. How do we leave Babylon? How do we flee Babylon? Leave your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires, the desires of your soul, and refuse to have your intellect determine what is good and evil. Second, it is necessary to leave the church where there is an absence of structure of God's theocracy, consisting in the hierarchical subordination 
the absence of which certainly and always results in human interpretations mixing with God's revelations. Ezekiel 28, 6-8 Therefore thus says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit and shall die and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. And so this call is very relevant to leave Babylon, flee Babylon from services that mix these things, mix the things of God with the things of man. And this typically happens in democratic structures, whether we want it or not, if there are people who there likely are some people in those churches that uh, are saved, but God is speaking to his nation that we leave it. This is not just speaking to them, but also sp- those that are in the democratic structures, but speaking to us as well that the sinners have become afraid on Zion. And so what are the sinners doing in Zion? That The question is asked. What are sinners in Zion? They became afraid, it says. And fear fell upon them. They said, who can live with this dev- this devouring fire? Can there be sinners on, on Zion? Yes, those who did not come out of Babylon from their carnal state have not died and left their nation, the house of their father, and their destructive desires, and they sit in the churches or they sit they are in Zion and the devouring fire is the the devouring fire of God's holiness fifth component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the most high is the necessity to submit your faith to the faith of God Sixth component of the price for abiding the truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness, is preparing yourself for a relationship with God as your spouse. And the seventh component of the price for abiding in truth and righteousness, giving us the ability to live with the devouring fire of holiness in the house of the Most High, is to receive the gospel of Christ into your heart, where the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, which will then result in us having eternal life in ourselves. About these final three, we can talk about in the next sermon. I think today we have received enough information, and we will thank God for that revelation, for the information that we were able to receive and hear today. And we can thank God for the ability to be upon this holy place in Jerusalem, thank Him for righteousness, thank Him that He is that truth, that has given us this righteousness. Let us thank the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping 
of your holy name. We thank you, Father, that this place is the house of God Most High. This place is your holy mountain, and this is the place where your holiness is. This is where the devouring fire is. And we thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to live with this devouring fire because we have agreed today to pay the price to obtain your righteousness and your truth. We thank you that you are the Father of truth. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the truth and the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you for your law and your commandments, which are the truth. And those saints, your messengers, that pass on your truth, whom you use to pass on your truth, And we thank you, Lord, that to receive your perfect truth, you want us to become righteous. But to become righteous, you need to justify us. And you have allowed your Son, Jesus Christ, who was the very image of truth, the very form of truth, he became your righteousness, he became your tablets, the tablets that were written the handwriting that was written against us and that gave power to sin. He became these tablets, you became this righteousness, and upon Golgotha you broke them and we received through Jesus Christ the truth and his perfect truth in the teaching. And this truth With this truth, you destroyed this handwriting of requirements. We thank you, Lord, that your truth is received by us, and we are expanding our salvation. We expand the truth that is in our heart, in our mind, upon our lips, because the more we can expand your truth within our essence, the more we can also expand your salvation for our essence. To receive your truth, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who became righteousness and who has given us justification, being broken upon Golgotha. For our justification, he resurrected and he gave us justification and made us righteous and commands that we perform God's righteousness today. We thank you that we as the justified children of God don't just thank you for delivering us from the sins we've committed. We thank you that you have redeemed us from the sinful conduct passed on to us from our fathers. And we thank you that your redemption has cleansed our conscience from dead works so that your truth, your perfect truth, would be passed on from your delegated messengers, your representatives that you've sent into our life and the life of every holy person. 
you will not be able to pass on your perfect truth without a person whom you have sent. You will never be able to pass on your perfect truth using a person that we elect that could deceive us. You pass it on that you have placed by a person you have placed and that we more than likely would not have elected. And you do this so we can humble ourselves before your holy face. And we have the ability to tremble before your word today. And thank you for the person that you have chosen to pass on your truth. That today, because of your wisdom, because of your knowledge, the perfect truth which you are, that has become righteousness was passed on to us in the form of the truth, the teaching into our heart. We thank you, Lord, for our pastor and our apostle, Brother Akadi, the one, that person that you pass on your truth, or you've chosen to pass on your truth, and we collaborate with the words of this messenger, the one you've placed over us, so that your perfect truth would become the possession of our heart and our conscience cleansed from dead works and allow us today to expand your perfect truth and together with this perfect truth expand your salvation upon our mortal soul and our earthly body. We today renew our mind with the spirit of our mind and we are clothed into the power and might of your perfect truth which we are being clothed into it and we pay the appropriate price so that we can live with the devouring fire and we've made the decision to be under your covering under your shadow within the boundaries of our calling and we will never go out from the boundaries of our calling so we not be destroyed with this devouring fire. Allow us today to abide in the boundaries, within the boundaries of our calling. And we thank you, Lord, that today you have given us your truth and your righteousness and have shown yourself to be righteous. And we are the ends of the earth because our earth and its ends touch your ends and our the ends of your, your, the boundaries of your word, your order. We thank you, Lord, that today you have allowed us to pay the appropriate price to keep the truth and to have it in our heart. And for this, we free our heart, not just from dead works, but also from offenses, all kinds of suspicions and evil suspicions of one another because a heart that has these offenses have these suspicions is a heart that does not have the truth. We thank you, Father, that you have delivered us from all offenses and you have allowed us to place ourselves into the discipline of our heart and discipline of the mind and lead our hurt emotions, lead it away from eternal curses, these curses being offenses we lead our emotions from this illness of 
offenses. And we lead it out so we could rejoice about your name and rejoice about the inheritance you've revealed to us. We will not allow our will or emotions or mind to follow the way of sin. We thank you, Lord, for your freedom because you said, know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And to know you in your truth, we need needed to receive it. We received it into our heart. And we thank you for that, for this truth. We thank you, Lord, for this church, for this mountain of God, for this house of God, where you abide, you are truth, and where the throne of your glory is present, the throne of the word of God is present. And we are in the likeness of this house, so that this throne also be within our essence, we pray, Lord, that you establish your throne within our spirit, our soul, and our gentle mouth, our body. You would establish the throne of David, the throne of truth and righteousness. We thank you, Lord, for that truth that we were able to hear today. And we pray that you continue to show your mercy and that we continue to hear these revelations, listening to the person you've sent into our life and the one that speaks your perfect truth to us. We pray, Lord, for your mercy that it come quickly and so that we may meet again soon, so that we may receive the word of God into our heart, that perfect truth, and grow in it, grow into salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your godly presence because of your word and your Holy Spirit, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen